It's Nonprofit Conversations, brought to you by Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm your host, Cecilia Sepp. This week we talk with Cynthia Lockery on the topic of curiosity. It's Monday, December 5th, 2022. Welcome to episode 175. the start of the winter holiday season and however you celebrate we here at rogue tulips wish you a happy holiday season hey everybody it's monday december 5th and that means it's time for another episode of nonprofit conversations brought to you by rogue tulips consulting i'm your host cecilia sup i'm the principal and founder of rogue tulips consulting and i would like to say good morning good afternoon and good evening to our global audience Thanks to everyone for joining us. This week, I am really pleased to uh, welcome back Cynthia Lockery, and we are going to talk about the subject of curiosity. But Cynthia, before we dive in, could you uh, please say hello to our audience and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm uh, talking to you from Toronto, Ontario, Canada right now. I'm here speaking at a conference. I uh, have been in public relations for over 25 years working with nonprofits, um, for-profit, and I'm also an advocate for kids with disabilities, do a lot of passion for autistic kids. Well, and that is great work. And you and I have had several conversations about what you do and how you help people. And it's always fun talking with you. And when I reached out to you to invite you back to the podcast and you said, let's talk about curiosity, I was so excited. I was like, nobody talks about curiosity anymore. And, and I love it. Uh, it's, it's kind of along the lines of one of the things I say, nobody thinks about thinking. Uh, so, and we don't talk about curiosity and you've written a, a very on point blog post about curiosity. And there was something that happened that motivated you to write like many of us writers. So can you give us a little background on what motivated you to write this blog post? Absolutely. So as I said, I'm a mom of an autistic child, so I'm always trying to learn and educate myself. And I was taking a workshop on um, behavioral issues with children. And so they were talking about the behaviors and it was really behavior focused. And one of the panelists, you know, who if it was in person and not on Zoom, I would have run up and hugged, said, (laughs) stop, we keep talking about the behavior when what we should be doing is being curious, looking at that behavior from a place of curiosity. Because when we look at the behavior in itself, that kid that's that's fidgeting all the time, the, the kid that's disruptive during class, we're focusing on that being a, a good or a bad behavior and we're labeling it, we're bringing assumptions, we're bringing judgment. But if we look at the kid who's fidgeting a lot or the kid that that just, you know, won't sit still your math particularly, and we're curious, and we, we think, we ask questions, we look at it, we, we don't think we have the answer, we could find that the kid that's fidgeting a lot, I have one that has ADHD, and if you put her in a wobble stool that gives her the freedom to move, she can actually pay attention better because to listen, she has to move her body. If you tell her to sit still, 
she will fidget more and she will be more disruptive than if you just allow that. And a story about curiosity, this is what happens when you are not curious and you judge <laughs> the behavior. I got a phone call when my child was in kindergarten and the kindergarten teacher was livid. She was so angry that my child was disrespectful and my child had been acting out and he didn't re remember this is kindergarten. He did not respect the authority and she just was on this rant and she hadn't read his education plan. Autistic comes with an individual education plan. So I was saying, did you make sure he had food? So his blood sugar, did you make sure he had movement breaks? Like, did you follow the plan? And so what she had done is she made it about her mm -hmm. and his behavior and how his behavior was impacting her. Whereas if she'd paused, been curious about it, thought about it, it would have removed that anger, that self thinking this is about me. And she might have realized that this is a five year old who maybe has needs that are not being met, or problems that need to be solved. Well, and I think when you think about all of us when we were five, if we can reach back that far in our memory, I think a lot of us had trouble sitting still. Um, when I think back to my own kindergarten days, uh, you know, in, in addition to flunking cutting, which I did, <laughs> I, I can cut a circle, uh, but, you know, our teacher would, would watch us when she left the room, like to have her break. And we were supposed to put our heads down and she would crack the door and watch. And like almost all of us would pop up and start like playing games with each other and talking and things like that when we were supposed to be quiet. Um, and we were considered like normal, average, regular kids. So you know, I, I think taking that personally with a five-year-old, it's like, geez, you know, it's, and especially if there is a, a plan in place. And this brings me back to another point you made in your blog post about this, where you talk about going from judging to curiosity, because that sounds like this kindergarten teacher was judging a five-year-old instead of trying to figure out, well, why is, why is he not sitting still? What does he need? Uh, and I would say a lot of us do that. We go through the mall, you know, at Thanksgiving, just when it's busy, we go through the mall and you see a kid acting up and you judge the kid or you judge the mom for standing in the grocery line with a crying baby. And why doesn't she just leave? She's disrupting my, but when we're curious, it, it helps us remove that judgment. And it's about being open. And so curiosity is an active mindset. This is the difference. So when we're in judgment, a lot of times we're in a passive, we're just letting our history, our beliefs take over. But being curious, we actually have to stop, pause, and change how we interact with a situation. And I really like that, what you just said, because even if we're not, because first of all, you said it's active, it's not passive. To be curious is to take to take action to a certain extent, because you're asking a question. Uh, you're not sitting there judging, which is very passive aggressive when you think about it, because you don't know what's going on. And that tends to be my attitude as well. And if, and if I'm with someone and they see a little kid acting out in the store or crying a lot, I I immediately, my heart goes out to the parent 
Mm-hmm. Because you don't know what kind of day the parent had. You don't know what kind of day the child had. The child could be tired. They could be hungry. Anybody who's ever taken care of kids, like I used to have a babysitting business when I was a teenager and it was a business. I had regular clients. I made a lot of money doing it uh, for that time for a teenager anyway. <laughs> but so I got to know that about people and kids. It's not always the parent's fault that the kid is acting out or crying. There could be some other thing. Now, I think we all have those uh, experiences where maybe we're out at a restaurant and the kids are running around and the parents are not asking the kids to sit down and behave the way you do in a restaurant. You know, they're just letting them run all over the place and acting like nothing's going on. That's a little bit different. But like if you're in a grocery store or on an airplane and a little one is crying, I think, you know, have some compassion, first of all, uh, because you don't know what's going on. And, and, and I think that brings us back to your point about not judging and being curious, because if you're not judging that person, you're asking yourself, maybe I could help them or what do they need? Could they have water? Could they have something else? Now, we've been talking a lot about kids, like you have kids, I don't have kids unless you count my fur babies, Um, but they can be challenging too, but they can't tell me what's wrong, unfortunately, Uh, but I usually can figure it out. They're tired, they haven't eaten, they're dehydrated, you know, which folks keep your pets, keep your pets hydrated on a trip, not dehydrated on a car trip. But anyway, so we talked about you know, your own children and being uh, at least compassionate, if not curious about if someone else's child's acting out in a public space. But how can we translate this to our current lives as adults dealing with other adults who, you know, I think if we are very judgy of each other as individuals a lot. So, So what are your thoughts on that? Well, it was interesting. So I'm here speaking at a conference and at lunch today, I mentioned to the ladies at my table that I was going to be on here talking about curiosity and curiosity in the workplace. And a lot of times we have that person that rubs us the wrong way. And we're not curious about why does this person rub them me the wrong way? What is it about them? But what is it about me that's being um, flared up? And or we're, we're, we take somebody's, you know, input, and we, we put up the barrier and we have judgments about either their experience or our experience or what they're saying, instead of just being curious, and what can I learn from this about them about myself about the work. And the woman I was talking to today, she got very quiet. And then she said, I wish somebody had said this to me earlier in my career about the curiosity mindset. Mm -hmm. And especially now when we're all in this heightened emotion state because of the lives we've been leading for the last couple of years, we need even more curiosity because everybody has their own story that they bring with them. And we're letting our own story interfere with somebody else. So that person who, like, especially on Zoom or like these different online, you're not getting the body language properly, you're not having the in-person, maybe that person has a family member who's ill, maybe they haven't slept all night. Um, So really just kind of being curious and I'm trained as a reporter, this is my beginning. 
is asking questions. Because when I ask people questions, what do people do when you ask them a question? They get interested because you want to hear about them. And what I find is a lot of times those barriers go down versus if I make judgments about you, I'm only increasing the barriers between us. And so I'm asking questions because I'm curious. Tell me more about that. I'm curious, when you said this, what did you, what else were you thinking with the feedback? And what that does, it, it allows them to be able to have an honest conversation and for you to listen, active listening. And, and I'm glad you mentioned active listening too, because I think where this is going is in a direction I like, which is positive action. And action is not always uh, doing something big. It's, it's little things like active listening. And I think a lot of people think they're good listeners when they're not. And listening is a skill that we can all learn. We can all improve. And I think so many people fall into the habit of thinking about what they're going to say next instead of actually listening to the person. Whereas like if you actually listened to someone, you, you would not have to say what you think you have to say because they've already answered your question or you could make a different comment on that. And I learned, I, I really see this a lot, I should say, when I'm helping people get ready for like the CAE exam, and, and one of the things we remind people is pay attention to the question. Mm -hmm. What is it actually saying? Mm -hmm. And listen, like I will ask somebody something, like I asked somebody a question a couple months ago. I said, Are, do you have any events at your organization between June and December? And they said, we have a board meeting in January. I was like, okay, that's great. But what about June to December? And so it's like that active listening is, and it's something that's hard to do, especially on the phone. And there's so many distractions in our lives. Uh, and we all know what those are. I don't think we need to repeat those, but just so many things. Uh, or, uh, you know, and I really kind of going back to our childhood here for a minute, it's kind of turning into therapy. But when I was in the seventh grade, I, I went to Catholic school. And so we were taught by nuns mostly. And our regular English teacher was sick and she was out on sick leave for six weeks. And so the school principal, who was also a nun, came in to fill in for that teacher. And she kept asking us questions and we weren't answering the question <laughs> that she asked us. She said, you children know how to answer a question, do you? Okay, well, that's what we're going to work on. We're going to work on questions. Mm -hmm. And that probably just fueled even more my curiosity because it's not so much asking the right question. I mean, some people say the only stupid question is the one you don't ask, mm -hmm. which, you know, I, that's true, I think, because it may, you may feel like you're asking a stupid question or someone else may judge you and say, well, it's a stupid question. It's like, it's not a stupid question if the person's not confident that they know. Well, that when I fine with curiosity and the more questions that we ask the more we get the layers in mm -hmm. I was uh, listening to Dr. Ross Green who works with kids with developmental disabilities and he says a lot of times we focus on unmet need versus problem solving mm -hmm. and we need to help solve the problem well how do you solve any problem you ask questions and so 
as adults and in workplaces, if we're finding we're having challenges, we just need to be more curious and ask more questions. And this comes to ourselves. This is the hardest part I'm going to tell you about the curiosity mindset is us. We are the hardest part. Because a lot of times I'm going to quote Brene Brown because she's one of my favorites. Brene Brown talks about the shitty first draft, so, <laughs> which, which sticks with me, right? Because it, it's just so the story we tell ourselves, the first version of that story, we should do look at it as a shitty first draft. Is that really the story? And, and, and you keep rewriting and you keep thinking and then you come to the truth. But if we just take our first thoughts on something, so I'm curious, why does that person bother me so much? That's a shitty first draft, your answer. Now you got to ask more questions so you can kind of work your way down. And this is really helpful if you have to keep working with that individual. Because you will find they could be triggering something in you. Um, or it could be there's something that you need to work on. Like, it took me a long time to work with introvert analytical thinkers as an extrovert feeler. Because oh. I thought their silence meant they had nothing to say. So I never left any space in the conversation. I just barreled on through because they didn't reply. So they didn't have a thought. All you introverts are like going, that is every extrovert in my life. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, have friends that are introverts and I've learned that about them over the years. Uh, they will, I have one friend who I, I won't hear from her for months and and she's just like goes radio silent and I'll check in on her and she'll say I'm so glad you checked in on me because you know something has happened that you know really stressed me out and you know me I always go to ground so I'm so glad that you like give me space but then you come and ask me what's going on and uh, my husband's also an introvert uh, which people find hard to believe because he leads a nonprofit organization and he gives uh, in-person presentations and testifies before Congress and he goes on the radio and he travels and he talks to all kinds of people. But uh, it's, it's uh, his, he has learned to develop the style, a uh, kind of like an extrovert mm. so that he can get that communication out there. But he, you know, he is like most introverts. They really need that space to re-energize and, uh, there's a lot of people like that. And I think I might be drifting a little bit off track, but to your point about introverts need that space to have time to respond. Uh, and it's not that they have no comment. They just need a little time to decide what they want to say, or they don't speak as much or feel as comfortable. Um, so it, it depending. Amazing how quickly we can be judgmental of that, right? Or we can make assumptions about why your friend isn't reaching. Well, she, she never calls me or she's this instead of, huh, I'm curious why I haven't heard from her. And, mm -hmm. and it allows you with the answer to continue being curious. That's the trick It's not just to be curious at the initial with, with your friend or your colleague or yourself, it's to continue and, and have that active curiosity mindset throughout. 
And, you know, now that this has, you know, the epiphany, the light's been shone that we need to be active. I will tell you, it has completely changed how I approach conflict, how I approach um, uh, the, the, the thoughts in my head because I catch myself saying, wait, 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 that's judgmental. Mm-hmm. Or I'm making an assumption about that. Am I perfect? Absolutely. I'm going to make assumptions. We're all going to do it. Right. But when the hair, you, there's times that you think, why am I so upset about that? That is the perfect time to not go into that anger or that judgment or whatever emotion it is. And that is the time to hit pause and say, wait, I think now I really need to have this curious mindset. That's true. And, you know, and that is something we all have to work on. I, I, I really have tried hard to build the habit of don't assume ill intent mm-hmm. because you don't know. They didn't answer your email. Maybe it, they didn't get it. Maybe they didn't have time. Maybe they're sick. Maybe someone else is sick. So I really try not to do that. Um, And it's, it's also difficult to manage the emotional side of that because we're judging because we're being emotional. It's like, like you were saying, why don't I like this person? I'm having an emotional reaction to that person for whatever reason. And I find sometimes I just have to walk away from that environment for a while and kind of think about it and work it through. Uh, Let that emotion kind of run its course Uh, because there are no bad emotions. No. Uh, there, it's just, they're just emotions. And so you just, if you just kind of let them unwind a little bit and try to learn from them, what's going on, it's difficult. Nobody said it was easy. I mean, being judgmental is very easy <laughs> because it's very, you know, there's no work involved. <laughs> so. And it's, it's that leaning into those conversations instead of avoiding those conversations. But when we lean in, once again, we're leaning in in a place of curiosity versus leaning into our judgments or leaning in that we're right. And we're just going to beat that person down. And there was a saying about how important is it to be right? Well, and that's the thing is, you know, I, I have one of my favorite phrases is I stand corrected. Because if I think something and then somebody shows me, well, no, that's, that's not accurate or it's not right. Uh, I know some people don't like using the words right or wrong. I do because some, you know, they fit <laughs> depending on the situation. But if I, if I said, well, isn't, isn't this the way we're supposed to do it? And somebody says, no, that's absolutely not the way you're supposed to do it. Oh, okay. I stand corrected. I'm fine with that because I, I do tend to be a curious person. Uh, I'm not a journalist like you are, but uh, I am, I've always asked questions and I do a a lot of qualitative research, which is all questions. Uh, and people might say, well, you know, surveys, online surveys are questions too. Yes. But it's also the art of the interview. And, okay. and so there's the art of curiosity uh, as well, because you, you let that person talk and maybe everybody gets asked the same five questions, but people are going to tell you different things. You dive in, you explore that. You say, oh, let's unpack that a little bit. That's different. We don't have to answer these other questions because let's talk about that. So it's just really, uh, some of us tend to have that inclination to be curious and to ask questions, but uh, yeah, yeah. some people don't. <laughs> and being curious is, is, you know, like the metaphor of the river. 
if we're curious, we allow the river to take us where it meant to go versus when we're rigid and we're stuck in our opinions, we are not open to hearing, like you said, when you're asking questions, we're not open to listening or we listen to what validates our, our piece. So mm -hmm. we're not listening to all and being willing to move. We're just listening to hear what fits with what our personal beliefs are. So I find that the more conflict or the more stress um, more emotions triggered, that is even more important to have that curiosity mindset. And let's be honest, we, we, do, we do do it, most of us, when it's something we're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So there's things in our lives that we're like, oh, I'm super curious about this because we care. And think of how many questions you ask when you're passionate about something or it fits into your, your specific needs. Now, how do you kind of take that same mindset when you're not as passionate, but you still need to learn about or work with another individual? Well, and that is a good point about working with people. It's good to work on the curiosity aspect, but also you were talking about topics we're passionate about, which brings me to topics we're not passionate about, and we maybe are not that interested. But curiosity can actually make a topic you're not that interested in actually much more interesting. So you use the example of math at the beginning. <laughs> yes. And and I think in Canada, you say mass with an S at the end. No, just math. Just yeah. Math. Okay. Because I think in, I think in the UK, they they say math. Anyway, <laughs> we digress on the topic of math, though. <laughs> um, I'm not very good at it. I have to work extra, extra hard at math. Mm. Um, it's always been something I wish I were really good at. Like, you know, I did all my homework and I did all the steps and I would still get the wrong answer. And so mm. it's very frustrating. But I, I've always liked math, even though I'm not good at it. And some people might say, oh, I, I avoid it. I hate it. It's something I wanted to be good at. I just don't have the mind that works in that direction, I guess. Or maybe somebody told me once I have that uh, uh, condition where you have like number shock, mm. number paralysis, but I'm very good with words. And so it could be partly that. But, you know, my point being, I was still very curious about math. Mm -hmm. And the problem with me not being good at math is I couldn't go into the sciences because, well, if you can't do math, you can't go into science because you got to be able to do both. So that doesn't mean, you know, and that was kind of like, oh, bummer. I'm just not good enough at math to do science, but that didn't diminish my curiosity about either subject, you know, no. and, and I still like both those subjects, even though they were challenging because of my struggles with a certain area, but curiosity can get us, you know, at least interested, if not excited about a topic we might not find really interesting. Like, you know, how do you write board minutes? Well, some people might say, oh my gosh, I don't want to take meeting minutes, but, you know, be curious. How can I do it well? So, and this, this kind of leads me up to the fourth point you made in your blog post about curiosity being a powerful tool. Oh, so gosh. I use it for self-motivation Mm -hmm. uh, so what are some other ways that curiosity can be a powerful tool? It's really about that mindset going in. So when I go into meetings about my child, I, I, I go in with curiosity about what's being said instead of 
getting my back up or wanting to cry, hearing certain things about my child and their challenges, I, I go in and be curious, curious of how we can help. What, how can we solve a problem? And it's also um, really prepping, right? If I'm prepping to go into a meeting with somebody who uh, you know, comes from a different perspective as me, or I think might be challenging, I have to, I can plot out my curiosity questions so that I'm prepared going in there instead of going in with my judgments and my stance and being prepared to hold my stance, mm -hmm. which is what we often do subconsciously, right? So I'm saying, be conscious, be aware, think of, what does curiosity look like in this situation? What are the questions that I can ask so that when stuff is coming at me, I don't let my personal story that we all carry, we all carry it, cloud me from hearing what's being said and truly hearing what's being said. And how do I break down that barriers with that individual or is this is the uncomfortable part maybe there's some work I need to do on myself to figure out why this is triggering me all the time and that is the part I think most of us struggle with is doing the work on ourselves because we are with ourselves all the time and how, you know we generally think we're right we generally think we're an okay person. We generally think we are objective and open-minded even when we're not. Mm -hmm. And so getting, I, I think that's a great point because getting into that habit of really looking at yourself, practicing introspection, self-reflection, those are two really great tools that I know a lot of times are connected with religious practices. You know, for example, you know, we're just coming off Thanksgiving recently here in the U.S. and the Puritans were some of the first people to come from Western Europe and, and introspection was a big part of how they practiced their form of the faith mm -hmm. of Christianity. They did a lot of what we today would call journaling. They, they all kept diaries. They did self-reflection. They thought a lot about their actions. So those are two things that I think we sometimes put in that religion category. They're actually really helpful to us just as human beings who are striving to be better people or even just know ourselves better. Um, so I think if, you know, working on that is good, you know, I, we have to identify it. We all hate to do this folks, but to our whole audience, not just me and Cynthia, you know, we all have flaws. We are all flawed human beings and that's okay. Cause that's part of being human. And we, that's how we learn. We make mistakes and doing it, you know, curiosity is a great way, you know, curiosity about yourself. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not self-centered. It's not selfish. It's just, I'm curious about, you know, how could I be a better person? And that means I must take a step back and say, be curious about myself. <laughs> so, and I would encourage how you start this mindset is baby steps, mm -hmm. go to where it's most comfortable because none of us are going to jump to where we're super uncomfortable because then we're just not going to do it. But, you know, talk to a, a loved one, someone that you're comfortable with and just think, how can I approach this conversation with curiosity, just a simple conversation, right? Um, about that active listening and asking questions and kind of 
being curious about your response to some of that as well. And then once you get more comfortable with this mindset, then you can grow it into work or other areas of your life. But I will promise you, there are some of you that are listening to this, that it will be a game changer for you because you're going to remember this when you're in there. And I know for me, it has allowed me to really have my defenses down and to really listen and and to park my judgments, maybe make that note and just leave it so that I can continue listening to what's actually being said to me. Oh, that's such a good point about how you said putting your defenses down because so many people get defensive. Mm -hmm. You don't agree with me and they feel and they're uncomfortable yeah, because they can't take a critique or a different viewpoint or an opinion. And like I like to say, yeah, I usually find the truth somewhere in the middle. Uh, that doesn't mean middle of the road. It just means, well, you've got different perspectives and you've got some information on one end that's that's highly accurate and maybe some information that's a little fuzzy. So how can you find that truth if you stay here the yes. whole time? So that's where you're like, okay, let's let's get to that truth. And I'm going to be willing to move by that being curious. So that's yes. And that is the that is the way we can all move forward. And uh, once again, encourage everyone out there, be first and foremost curious about yourself, because as Cynthia has so well said today and in her blog post, uh, if you get to know yourself first and then move into that curiosity mindset, you're actually going to learn a lot more. You'll handle situations much e more easily, I think, because you're just open. You're like, well, hey, what's going on? Tell me your, your viewpoint and let me understand it. So you may not agree with it, but you can at least understand it. And I think if we could get to that, we also had just really quickly before we wrap up, because I can't believe it is time to wrap up already because we've been having such a great uh, conversation on this. Before we started the episode for this week, you had mentioned you had learned at the conference you're attending the difference between disinformation and misinformation. And it was such a great definition. Could you please share that with the audience before we wrap up? So here's another piece of cursed curiosity. So when we there's a difference in how we perceive information. So misinformation is I say to you, the train's leaving at 10 o'clock and it's leaving at 12. And I just, that was just a mistake. Um, and I didn't mean anything by it. If I say to you, the train's leaving at, at 10 o'clock and I know it's leaving at 12, that's disinformation. That is me trying it purposely providing you with with the wrong information and so we're seeing this a lot we see it a lot with social media we see a lot with um with disinformation wrong information purposely being shared and so this is why we need to be curious too when we see information we should check the source be curious where's that coming from we should ask questions because it's getting harder and harder to tell misinformation from disinformation. And if I'm sharing that with my network, that's misinformation because I didn't know it was incorrect, but I'm perpetuating the spreading of disinformation. So I just thought it was a perfect tie 
with curiosity because all the research is showing that more disinformation is being spread than ever before. Why? Because people aren't being curious or accepting um, what's being shared. And that, oh my gosh, yes, we could like talk for another hour on that topic because I always double check things. I like to listen to several different news sources. So I get different perspectives and I get different takes and I get different information so I can kind of sift through it. But sadly, so many people think because it's online, it must be true. And folks, that's just not accurate. Uh, there's a lot of stuff online. People share it because their friend had it on Facebook. They didn't double check it or somebody saw it on Twitter. And just because it's online doesn't mean it's accurate. And so just just you know, think it through a little bit. We're all intelligent people and we can all think. So think it through a little bit, just kind of like, you know, why would the, why would somebody say this? Is this accurate? Mm -hmm. Are they telling me the wrong thing on purpose? Like you said, that's why I love that definition you shared because it's the intention as well. So if you think about that old game, we played as kids telephone mm -hmm. where you're supposed to pass the message on. And by the time the message got to the last person, it was completely different. Yes. Not on purpose. It was it was misinformation. <laughs> so yes. Love that. Well, Cynthia, uh, I, I'm afraid we've got to wrap up for this week, but another great conversation with you. Looking forward to having you back. So at the end of the episode, I like to ask my guests, you know, what's the one thought you would like the audience to take away today? And if they want to get in touch with you or follow up, how could they find you? Absolutely. So my one thought is it's an active mindset curiosity this will never happen passively our stories we tell our judgments and our assumptions is definitely passive so stop pause and think is this a good i should be curious about this and if you want to get a hold of me i'm at howtocommunications.com and i love working with nonprofits and helping them share their stories and advocate for change Thank you so much, Cynthia. And uh, to our audience, we've mentioned throughout this episode, uh, Cynthia's blog post, you can access her blog on her website as well, howtocommunications.com. So uh, on behalf of myself and Cynthia, thank you for joining us for this episode. We have to go rogue for now, but if you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help you bloom outside the box, you can visit our website, roguetulips.com. If you are a current CAE or CAE candidate and you are looking for CAE education or a study group, perhaps, you can access our Rogue Tulips education program, the 501C League, at its website, the501cleague.net. We're signing off for this episode and we will see you next time.